We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Hey everybody, this is Michael Antonovich bringing you this week's episode of the Fly Racing Swap Moto Podcast. For this one, I gave Michael Mosman of Rockstar Energy, Husqvarna, Factory Racing a call and just discussed pretty much everything going on in his life. 20-year-old kid, lives on his own in Florida, trains under Alden Baker, factory racer. There's a lot of things about Michael that you see from the outside, especially with his quick little informative Instagram posts. But if you ever get the chance to have a conversation with him, it'll go on for quite some time and jump to a lot of different topics, which always makes for a very good chat. In this one, we talked about how he spent the offseason, a lot of international travel, a lot of reflection on himself, and really appreciating the position that he is in in life, 20-year-old kid that gets to see the world and get paid for it. He doesn't take it for granted, and that's refreshing to hear. The other big thing is, as everybody knows, Michael is very, very big into his faith. And so this was the first time that I've ever gotten to ask a writer, what is the thought process behind praying or thanking God on the podium? Because we hear it so often, and sometimes it becomes a little bit robotic, but a guy like Michael gives a very in-depth and well-rounded response to that question. So yeah, hey, give it a listen. I think that talks like this with guys like Michael really go a little bit more in-depth than just the standard hey, how's the bike? How are these race results? What do you think of this? Even Michael doesn't want to put a lot of emphasis or weight on his performance on the motorcycle. He knows there's more to life than just that. Let us know what you think. Talk to you soon. All right, so joining me on the phone is Rockstar Energy Husqvarna's 250 rider, uh, Michael Mosman. Michael, it's good to talk to you. It's been a busy off-season for you. Uh, looked like as soon as racing wrapped up in Indiana in August, you took some time, traveled the world, went back to Florida, got to work on next year, and we're a few weeks away from you running 250 West Coast at Anaheim 1. How's it been? Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. Um, it's been it's been quite an off-season for sure. It's uh, been action-packed and really... Um, I've, I've had some pretty polar opposite times and, uh, some times of really deep rest and recovery from the season and all that, that entails. And then also some really busy times of traveling and, um, and training and, and go, go, go. So it's been, it's been wild. What? Okay. Let's go back to your travel because I think that that's like the most interesting yeah. thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Typically, guys, when they get done, I mean, you traveled all last year, West Coast Supercross, all the nationals, mm. everything that went on. What made you decide, like, yeah, I'm going to get on a plane and go to these super far out places? Like, explain where you went because yeah. there's a good backstory behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, after the last round, um, I stayed about a week and a half in Indiana, which was a little bit longer than I was expecting. Um, I There was a hurricane that was supposed to hit um, Florida and I was enjoying my time there. So I ended up staying a little bit longer and just kind of decompressed. And then, um, after that, I, I went to, um, I was home for about five days, <laughs> um, in Florida. And then I flew to Kuwait to the middle East, which Kuwait borders, um, Saudi Arabia and Iran <laughs> and, uh, the Persian Gulf. And, um, and I met up with some friends of mine there that are Kuwaiti and, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. We met through motocross, believe it or not. And, okay. um, they've, they've become like some close friends. Um, and they, they gave, they gave me the opportunity. They said, they, they had said like over and over, um, <laughs> they're like, Oh, if you come out, we'll like, we'll pay for everything. Like you just book the ticket. We'll take care of the rest. And like they did, like I didn't pay for a single thing the whole time I was there. And we, we lived like Kings and that's pretty much an understatement. It was, it was really, really incredible. And, um, and then like, yeah, so I'll just tell a few stories. So, so one, just like going there, um, there was this, this feeling like I flew Emirates, which is like, 
you know, the world's nicest luxury airline. Yeah. Luxury airline, but it was also the cheapest flight I could find. Um, and then, and I was like back of the bus and, um, and it's like just so, so different. And there was like, when I was getting on the plane, you know, all the people, you know, you know, (laughs) like I'm like one of the only white people and, uh, you know, most people are Arabic and we're flying into Dubai. I got a layover in Dubai and then, um, to Kuwait. And it was just like this sense of adventure and the sense of going into the unknown. And it was so exciting. And so, um, cool. I, I really like just enjoyed that, that it was like, I have no clue where I'm going or how this is going to work out. Um, and, and, uh, and then when I got there, <laughs> they're, they're like, they're just like so shocked that I actually came. Like, yeah, I didn't think they would be. Think about how but, many people that always say like, yeah, whenever you come, we'll take care of everything. And they always put that mm-hmm. super polite offer out there, but nobody ever takes them up on it. <laughs> yeah, no, these guys were like, this is like, dude, you came <laughs> like, you're crazy. What if I'm, he's like, man, you have some bowls coming here, bro. <laughs> and I was just like yeah man like i guess so um but it i mean i you know i flew i'm 20 years old flew by myself to the middle east like it was it was a true adventure and um just to go and see that culture is so so different and um just how they live and it was it was a really cool experience but so i so the first night i get there and um we go to this you know really nice restaurant and and bro, but like, then all of a sudden we're leaving. I'm like, I didn't see anyone pay. Like what just happened? <laughs> like things are just ha- kind of happening fast, dude. It was like, it was nuts, you know? And, and, um, and then my friend, he's like, oh, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to head up to the beach house. Where are you going to stay? And, um, and he's like, but, uh, first we're just going to stop seeing my friend real quick. I'm like, all right, sweet. Like, you know, whatever. I'm long for the ride. I have no agenda while I'm here. And, um, and so we stop, we go to this guy's house. It's like three story house with an elevator, like just a nice, nice house. And and it's like, you know, kind of really pretty modern. And, um, we walk in this room and it's like completely trashed there. It's like completely trashed, like couches ripped up. And it's like a nice room, like kitchens trashed. Like I'm just so disoriented. I'm like, what is going on? And, and and I'm like, dude, is this the end? Like, is this it? This is a wrap right here. I'm done. And, um, dude, and then a, a tiger walks out. <laughs> bro. Dude. What? Yeah. Yeah, bro. Hey, so I'm like, yeah, it was, and it was, it was like as discomforting as a tiger walking into the same room as you. It was like, also comforting because the room the room made sense then oh the tiger did this <laughs> okay um but yeah it was a, a four-month-old siberian tiger um which is like an endangered species and this dude's just got it living in his house and um and we got to uh we got to like play with it and and just mess around and it was like it was nuts dude it was like and and so what you didn't you never wanted to turn your back to it as soon as you turn the back, your back to the tiger, it would start to hunt you, and so, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty nuts. Okay, this is way different than the uh, the flamingo that you have that is like your quote unquote pet in Florida. Oh, is this is not my different. pet. That is my roommate. That is oh, Freddie, okay, okay, the friendly okay. and faithful okay. flamingo from Florida. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The Don't, cool no. thing, the cool thing about you going over there, though. Um, is that you go in with completely different expectations of, I think, what most people 20 years old your age would do. Mm. Everybody thinks in your age, like, money, where you want to see all this gnarly stuff and how we're going to go to these expensive places. And you probably went in with a completely different mindset. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was just going for the adventure of it, really. And, um, you know, these friends, and they had taken me up on it. And, my values in the last like three, four years, even, I mean, just these last, yeah, say three years have been shaped and changed, um, so much, um, from kind of that, you know, generic, um, you know, looking to see the money and, and, you know, what can you do for me? And, 
to where now I can almost care less. Like I, I've been shaped to where I'm so much more about people um, than I'm about like stuff. And, and, uh, but anyways, yeah, it, it obviously like to experience those things is, is super cool. And uh, I was really like really grateful and just to see like the whole culture was um, it's really eye opening. And I, I honestly, like I kind of got the traveling bug, like even more so after this trip. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, this is, that, that was just like, that was just the first night. Like we didn't even get to the beach house. Like we, dude, <laughs> it was unreal. Unreal. Yeah. I think we could go on for hours about this. And, uh, when I see you at Anaheim one, I'll have you tell me a lot more stories from there. You went to Northern Europe. So how do you go from one place to the other and why? Um, yeah, so, so I was in Kuwait, visited those guys. It was ridiculous. Um, and then I go to, um, dude, this was, this was mind blowing to me. So, so like probably about three, four hours before the flight, um, out of Kuwait, um, they took me to, to meet one of their buddies and I drove in a car on two wheels. Like they got up on two wheels. I was in the car. It was nuts. But then, (laughs) but then that's like, like kind of on the way to the airport. So then we go to the airport, I fly out and then I'm like, I have a layover for like four or five hours in Egypt. I'm like, this is nuts. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Let me just, let me just go from Kuwait to a, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, my, my life is just ridiculous. And, and then fly from there to Denmark. And, um, and then from there, uh, I took a train to, um, Sweden, um, just across the way. And I stayed for three nights with my aunt, um, Jennifer, and, uh, she's an artist that lives in Malmo, Sweden, the South of Sweden. And, um, we kind of just have a special relationship and she's someone that's like, um, near and dear to my heart. And, um, yeah. And so, and, and I knew, I knew I strategically needed like a rest period in the middle of my vacation Yeah, (laughs) because, because Kuwait wasn't exactly a rest period. Like it was just like, it was nuts. And so, so like we just, uh, went there and and going from like the culture like going from U.S. to Europe is like one thing but going from U.S. to Kuwait like to the Middle East then to Europe was like so disorienting and it's like oh um, it was it was just like amplified the weirdness like or the differences you know mm-hmm. um, all the way around the board and just to like find familiarity was like really really wild. But um, then I was in Sweden for um, my cousin Amy's wedding. Amy and Gura got married. My brother and I were kind of like MCs. They call it uh, Toastmasters. Okay. And um, and so yeah, we were we were Toastmasters, and we didn't speak. <laughs> I, I was learning Swedish the whole time I was there, but we didn't we didn't speak much Swedish at all. And um, and so it was it was pretty funny. We would we would try every now and then, and. It was it was goofy, but one of the my favorite things I think about being in Sweden was. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna go two things. Um, so one like spending time with like I have a lot of family in Europe, um, particularly in Sweden, and just seeing like family and friends over there mm-hmm. was like super super cool for me. And this time traveling to Sweden, like I I've been there a couple times when I was a kid. But this, like, going by myself and then, like, meeting my parents there and, and like, having that freedom to, like, kind of go where I want to go and stuff was, like, totally different and, um, like, really kind of, like, empowering to just, like, oh, I can, yeah, just go and get lost and, and find my way back. And so one of the days I, I did exactly that. Like, I went, I renewed my Swedish passport. And then I was just roaming around Stockholm, the capital city, and it's it's just like beautiful, and um, and then like I met up with a, a friend and and like we had a great conversation. And then like I had to find my way back to the house, and it was like thirty minutes, and I changed like three buses and on, went on a train, and it was like <laughs> it was it was a lot, but um, just to like get lost and then find your way back was like really really cool. So I think uh, I take it nobody really knows that you're you have dual citizenship, right? 
Right. Yeah. No, my mom is um, like she's Swedish as Swedish gets, and um, my dad is not, and I'm blessed enough to have dual citizenship. So um, it's it's pretty insane. So I went over there and, and re- I renewed my passport, my Swedish passport, and um, yeah, I haven't I haven't told a lot of people, but I do want to um, go to Sweden like yearly now. Um, just make that a thing because like just to connect with family over there was, was so rich and, um, something like I want to keep, um, as a part like of who I am, you know, did you, uh, did you tell everybody at Husky when you were trying to do your contract negotiations? Like, no, no, hire me, hire me. I mean, it's in the blood. (laughs) Yeah, it, it helps. It helps. Um, I don't know. Just uh pronounce oh who's Skavana, you know mm-hmm. how how you pronounce it and stuff and i met a guy so i was i was in the airport in florida and i met a guy that's from who's the town in europe in in sweden and he's like oh yeah i live there like we have a cabin there he's like you should come visit me and i'm like let me get your number i just might next year <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah and uh he texted me yeah a couple weeks ago like a photo of like the old factory and stuff. And I was like, dang, that's pretty awesome. That's legit. So, I like it. I like how you're going to go off and do these things. So now does that make you even more interested for 2020 to maybe fly in a day early or catch an earlier flight and go see what's in every city you're going to go to instead of just being the airport, the dealer signing, the racetrack, and then the airport again? Yeah. Um, oh, you're saying like week in, week out? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure, for sure. Um, it's so tough though to truly do it, but I've always kind of had, um, you know, that in me, and just like to go to a place that's cool and to to appreciate it and to learn about it. Um, when I I had a um, oh my gosh, this is another time where I just felt like wow, my life is ridiculous. Um, but I have a friend who I grew up with. Um, this girl, her name's Sienna, and um, we, she lives in Oregon now. She goes to school there in college, and uh, I was going up to Washougal. I had press day, so I flew in a day early, and I flew in, and uh, yeah, we met up, and like, <laughs> we just, uh, dude, I think we went to a museum, and we went and got like a nice dinner. And I was like, how ridiculous is that? I am 20 years old. I fly from Florida to Portland or, uh, yeah, to Portland, Oregon and like go, go. And we like dressed all fancy just to play the part, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, dude, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So when I, when I get the chance to, I I like to appreciate the cities I'm in and and learn about them. stuff. Mm -hmm. and that's one thing that that I did a couple years ago because you can get really caught up in just the grind of it and you lose yeah. sight of like why this is so fun. And then you look back and you're like, Whoa, we're all so young. We get to go to a different place all the time. Hey, see so new things what, like make it a point to go do that stuff. Absolutely. What was, what was like one of the coolest places you went and saw? Um, it's hard to say because I, I go so many, like I go international in the off season and I really, really like that stuff in the U S yeah. 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 In the U.S., I really like Washougal. It's cool because it's all local mm-hmm. businesses that are up there. It's good restaurants, good coffee, good yeah. things like that. Uh, I've always liked Florida, so when I get to come down for Daytona okay. or come down and see, you know, whatever's going on down there. Uh, yeah. When you grow up in Illinois, Florida is like that. It's basically like that tropical destination that everybody mm. wants to go to. So you go down there and you're like, oh yeah, okay, it's like a vacation, but you're working the whole time. Things like that. Uh, New York is yeah. cool. So if it's the New Jersey Supercross or Unadilla or whatever, make it a point Absolutely. to go try to see the city there. Uh, Australia was amazing, though. I had a, I had a great time uh, down there a few weeks ago and can't wait to yeah. go back in the future. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I want to go, go next year if I can. Yeah. You and I will have to link up one of these tra- like one of these weekends and just go see something, yeah. Oakland, whatever. Let's do it. All right. So let's fast let's forward a little bit to – race talk because that's why mm-hmm. everybody really listens to these podcasts <laughs> 2020 is a big year for you um you trended upwards really well in 2019 you know i think seattle was by far your best supercross result that shows it but your your riding was way more you know indicative of higher than a fourth place finish you fought yeah. with you know ferrandis and since two guys that were in the battle for the title all year 
And then you go into the Nationals, couple podium finishes there, really good top 10 results. You re-sign mm-hmm. with the team for next year, and then now West Coast. So how do you feel as a 20-year-old guy that's picked up so much in these last few years? Like, where where do you feel you are as a racer right now? Yeah, um, absolutely. It's uh, it's pretty surreal. And, um, like, just to, to be in the position I am and uh, – yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty pleased. Um, and like up until this point, like it's been, it's been, um, it's been tough, but, um, in another sense, like some of it's come easier to me, mm-hmm. um, in a sense that like it hasn't, like I haven't reached my ceiling, like I haven't reached my full potential. And, you know, those, those who know me and who see me closely, like my full potential is, is pretty insane. And, um, I think maybe the struggle right now is um, getting me to believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me to believe that, I think it's going to take doing it, um, which is like the biggest confidence booster, right? Um, but yeah, like just the confidence you carry into and the confidence you build throughout this off season, And bro, like I'm riding with Zach and Coop right now. Like, you know what I mean? If I want to build confidence, like it, it and, and am building confidence, just riding with those guys and, you know, keeping pace and, you know, doing the best I can to, to hang on to them. And so, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's been, it's been good. And, uh, I think this next year should be, should be a banner year. We, you and I had a talk at Paula. So on the Friday before the second round of the summer Mm -hmm. and just discussed everything. And you said you had kind of had a couple of those big mental breakthroughs where you've, you've, finally saw how good you could be that everybody else Mm. had told you forever because your riding (laughs) style it doesn't look like you're trying that hard you don't look like you're going that fast and then you look at the laptop you're like whoa like michael's putting it down right now Mm -hmm. and then the next week in colorado you finish on the podium in a moto you're right there i mean that was a big breakthrough ride for you then um Mm -hmm. for you now having all of these bits and pieces have you found a guy that you could model your career after or has it been like, no, I'm completely individual. I want to just do this my way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, uh, I've looked, I've looked, I've looked at CP, um, and kind of just see how he manages races, um, and how like he would go after it and stuff. Um, I think we have a similarly smooth style. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't watch myself, so I don't know the entirety of how similar we are. Um, I even looked at Marv some, um, we have similar ability in like doing the slower line faster, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, like, you know, just, uh, soaking up jumps and such. So, um, I'm kind of searching, but I don't know if I've found someone that's like, boom, I can totally like imitate that. Yeah. Um, even, even I was watching, um, like Reed, um, like, I mean, I watched 06 A1, um, like, yeah, last week or the other day. And um, I was just, like, watching him, how he kind of just, like, hit his marks and he wasn't really concerned about everyone else. Um, And, like, yeah, that's something that uh, I've been working on is just to um, just work on that racecraft to do my own thing. Um, Because I find that if I try and do someone else's thing then it it doesn't like it doesn't work for me mm-hmm. and so to uh to like stay focused on myself is is huge i would think that you and zach would have a lot of similarity zach's a little bit more aggressive <laughs> he's more aggressive than you on the bike like that's very obvious but mm-hmm. the mental side of it how much searching he did the you know faith side of it like there's a lot of things where i see you two really meshing together but then being completely yeah. separate and I would think that, like, you being with him every day at Alden's place because it looks like you, him, as a Husky cr- camp, and then RJ have all kind of come together in these last few weeks. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, um, RJ and Zach and I all have that, you know, that faith thing in common. And um, and Zach, absolutely, like, he's helped me reach um, some breakthrough um, trains of thought before, and he's helped me um, – you know, get my level up or, or times where I think my level should be up and, you know, just to like affirm it. And, 
And so, um, absolutely. It's like helpful to have him around and helpful to have him like speak, um, into my career. And, and I think, uh, like Zacho, he's like all grit, right? Like, and he's just like pure grit and it's, yeah, he just, he like, he gets amped like even before, uh, a practice moto, you know, he's like, ah, let's go. You know what I mean? Does he and, throw um, up before practice moto? No, he does not. Just on does race not. day. Does he still do that on race day? Every now and then. I don't know. Every now Every and now then. And then. Uh, I want to say yeah. at like Bud's Creek this year, he turned around and like almost threw up on my shoes. And so then I like Dang. kicked the dirt to like cover it up for him. Dang. Yeah. So dude, for me, like that's, you know, he's like nervous and, um, and like, yeah, all, all the race day stuff, dude, for me, I usually have like three races a year that I'm nervous. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Like I, I just get to a place where like, I'm pretty calm and, and straightforward. So our approach is different. Um, but I think our, our desire and passion is, is similar. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, in the middle of November, I had RJ on the same podcast and he was, right then in the heart of the Alden like workout, like burn a lot, mm. a lot of calories, lose a lot of weight, build the fitness. Yeah. You've done it already. Uh, you didn't do it directly under Alden in the past. Right. This was your first year of doing it. Was there a big change for you or was already being somewhat familiar with the program? Did it help you in this second year? Um, for sure. RJ's RJ's, um, had a little more struggle with it than I have. Uh, just being familiar with it, with the program, my load has gone up and, um, working with Alden, it's, it's been like a little, like more all consuming, um, in a sense that, um, you know, my diet was good, but now it's like, great, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my stretching was good, but now it's great. You know, um, just, just these, these small pieces that have come together and, um, you know, from the start of the day to the end of the day, like, you got to be intentional and Alden. one thing I've really learned from him is in his kind of theory is like, everything's got to be buttoned up perfectly. Right. Like even, even like my house should be like, everything should be in order for the most part. And you know, my, my road bike kit, you know, should be like all perfect and my bike should be solid. And, um, you know what I mean? Like all the way across the board, he believes in like having all your ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. And so that it's just kind of a way of life so that when you get to the track, it's like a matter of just like, boom, 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 um, where it becomes automatic and it becomes, um, just really consistent. And so that's something that we've been working on and something I've been getting better at. And, uh, yeah, and I, I can, I can just see how it, you know, like how it all works. And the one thing also that's really comforting is, everyone who sticks the program like who really just nails it as far as the off season um and sticks to it like does really well <laughs> like last year because of injuries and stuff cooper webb was the only one to actually stick the program um and and so now here we are like um and and i've been able to stick the program um and so that's like there's just, there's like a magic number that he has of, you know, of training and of these different areas where you train in and, um, you know, a certain amount of laps and where it just, when you get to race day, it really comes together. Mm -hmm. The big thing I've always heard about Alden's, yes, the intensity is high. Yes. The repetitions are high, all of that stuff, but it's the accountability that he puts Mm. on you guys. And for you to say like, yeah, your whole house needs to be this way. Your cycling (laughs) needs to be this way. That's a big accountability thing. And it takes that doubt of, did I do enough? Did I do it the right way? You always know. Yeah. I did it the right way because it's been instilled in me from the start. It has to be this way. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. All right. Um, so with more things kind of going along talk is right now, 2020 West coast, you've done it before you have a house in California. So it'll be a nice, change of pace for you to go home in a way and just be Mm -hmm. about it for a little bit. How will that be? Yeah, no, um, California's, California's good. And, uh, I like being there. I like to, it's good to see my family and to, to spend time with them and, uh, with my values changing. Like that's one of the things that I've missed the most. Um, just starting to realize that I do live 5,000 miles away from my family and, 
Um, and so I, I do really look forward to being out there and, um, I don't look forward to the traffic, yeah. but, um, but, but overall it's, it's, um, always a nice change of pace and like, it's cool just to have the, the, the Husqvarna headquarters right there. And, um, just kind of be in that, in that scene is, is, uh, yeah, it's just good. I think for you, it'll be a good thing because everything's right there and it's, it's settings that you know already, you know, you'll go mm-hmm. up to Oakland. That's kind of the hometown race for you. Yeah. Three races right there in Southern California. You did Seattle last year. It's all stuff you're familiar with. Um, yeah. And, and I, I really like Colorado for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I could see that. <laughs> hey, my theory is, is the bikes are down in power and I don't use all the power of my bike anyways. So it's just an advantage for me. <laughs> are you one of the few guys that doesn't want like a, a ton more power from a 250? Um, no, you can get, give, give it all to me, but, uh, I won't use, use it, it all. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I like it in specific areas. And so, um, like just the way I ride, I don't need something that's like going to jump out from underneath me, but. In other sense, like to be competitive, I kind of have to have that. Um, and you know, on the starts, like that's one of the most important things, and um, that's like where you really need it. So, yeah. Over, have, I mean, give me a fast bike, please. <laughs> are you? <laughs> and I got one. Have you done a lot? Of, have you spent a lot of time on a four fifty? Like ever, or I've is that never, one of those things? Never ridden, never ridden a four fifty ever, even as an amateur. Ever. Never. Oh, okay. I think this will be interesting to see in a few years then because you will no. probably be a bone stock bike just like Porcel was. <laughs> yeah, everyone's everyone said that my riding style will fit really well on a four fifty and I've you know, just watching like I can I can picture it and I can imagine it. Um and I think this this off season I'll get a three fifty um or not off season but this uh, outdoors like I'll probably start ride a three fifty and getting used to that. Um so yeah got it um hey let's take a quick commercial break we'll come back we'll talk a little bit more about 2020 a couple other topics then we'll uh wrap this up sweet hey swap moto listeners this is zach osborne rider for the rockstar energy husband factory racing team i love my fc 450 race bike but i also love the fc 350 it has the handling of a 250 and the power of a 450 making it the perfect bike for both professional and amateur riders Right now, Husqvarna Motorcycles is giving Swap Moto listeners 1,500 reasons to get a brand new FC350. Hurry into your local authorized Husqvarna Motorcycles dealer to find out more on the limited time offers available to get you on the track today. For over six decades, Scott Motorsports has pushed the limits of innovation, providing our customers with the most advanced technology available. Scott is honored to be the exclusive eyewear sponsor of the Swap Moto Live podcast. Athletes such as Chad Reed, Justin Barsha, and myself, Adam Ciantrillo, require the best performance, which is why we choose the Scott Prospect Goggle. Recognized as the number one goggle in racing, Scott is proud to be made in the USA. Check out scott-sports.com to see their complete line of high-performance goggles. Hey guys, Hunter Lawrence here. Lately I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails in the local area on my intense primer and the thing's badass. For how good it is going up the hill, it's uh, amazing coming down the hill. It's uh, comfortable, nimble and it doesn't feel uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds. Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome. So yeah, you're ready to get serious about training on a cross country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails or if you want to go a bit further longer and faster they they just brought out a new taser e-bike which is uh, yeah everyone's given the double thumbs up on so head down to your local intense dealer or, or purchase uh, directly at intensecycles.com check it out guys what's up this is christian craig as a motocross racer being in top physical shape is a must and my favorite way to train is cycling and whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Live podcast for additional discounts in the shop. Hey, what's up, guys? Malcolm Stewart. Worst Connection has been building the best aluminum parts in motocross for the last 30 years. From the awesome Pro Launch Start device and their original adjustable clutch perch assemblies, I am proud to use it on my Motoconcept Honda. Check them out at WorksConnection.com. What's up, Swap Moto fans? 
The Toyota of Escondido Action Sports team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live Show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the action sports special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. Thanks for sitting through the commercials. We're back now with Michael Mosman. So the one question that we always hey, ask hey. everybody at this time of year is, where do you see yourself when the gate drops next year? Um, for you, as a guy that didn't finish on the podium in Supercross, getting your first podium finish in 2020 would be a big step forward. But I think more people expect you not to just get one podium finish, but a lot of them. Is same thing for you this year? Um, yeah, so just with expectations, like uh, I'm not – trying to set them too high um like i'm just kind of setting the goals that you know i know i can reach right so next step hit the podium like let's see how you know how quick i can do that like i would love like first round podium that'd be amazing um that'd be a great start and um but you know even even you know goals is you know laps led like i want to i want to lead laps or you know top three starts and um, just kind of smaller goals like that. And, you know, if, um, championships in the cards, if, um, you know, if, if things are going that direction, then great. Um, but I think if I set, you know, this goal of, oh, boom, it's third year, it's title year, let's go like win or, you know, die trying, like it's, it sounds really cool and it sounds like the right thing to do, but, um, what happens is when you set those big goals, it's like, okay, I haven't even got a podium yet. You know what I mean? Like, is that, is, is a championship like what I want? Yes, absolutely. But I got to hit the podium first. Like I got to, you know, lead a whole race. Like, or I mean, actually you don't have to lead a whole race. You can just lead the last lap and I don't even have to win a race to win a championship. But, <laughs> yeah, the Tim but, uh, approach. but, you know, that's, um, you know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking to do. So goals, it, it it's kind of, it's kind of tough with goals for me. I, I don't generally give the best answer. Um, for this reason, I, I saw a Ted talk once that said, um, that those who share their goals, they, they did a test pretty much. And like they had 243 people and they split them in half. Everyone wrote down a goal and half of them showed their goal or told their goal to the, to the rest of them. And half of them um, kept their goal. And they were sent away for 30 minutes with a pen and pad to work on their goal and to plan for it and see, you know, how they would go forward doing it. And um, those that told their goal to everyone on average um, came back after 20, uh, 22 minutes. Mm -hmm. And when asked if they were closer or further from their goal, they said they felt like they were closer. And those who didn't tell their goal to the um, everyone else, um, when they went, they worked for the entire 30 minutes and when asked uh, if they felt like they were closer or further, they said they felt like they were further from achieving their goal. And so there's this idea that those who share their goal, there's, um, a certain gratification that happens in the human brain. Um, and it makes us feel as if the goal has been already achieved. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Oh, I want to lose 15 pounds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that person usually doesn't lose 15 pounds because they've already um, reached that like state of like, yeah, I did it. I'm almost there. Yeah. Like, yeah. because when, when you speak it out and you know, you get, Oh, everyone's like, Oh man, that's a really awesome goal. That's so you know honorable of you to do that. You know? And then, and then like, they just a lot of times don't follow through. So mm -hmm. anyways, I, I generally, okay. I so kind of weird when it comes to sharing goals. <laughs> All right. So now I know next time I see you at a race, I'm not even going to bother. I'll just, we'll, we'll talk about everything else and I'll just build my there, own expectation there, there, yeah. and then be pleasantly surprised <laughs> when everything comes together. Hey, or disappointed depending on your expectation. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's okay. I don't get disappointed in you guys. I always know what you're out there doing. So I don't have any skin in the game. I know it's more on you guys of what's going on. Um, yeah. 
the big thing that I've talked to Bobby Hewitt, your team manager, for so long about this concept that he has. He doesn't want to sign some guy and then expect them to kill it the first year. He wants to, you guys to build and build and build. Yeah. And for you, you've been part of this team since 2017. So 2020 mm-hmm. is enough time where it's time to take the next step. You have a two-year contract, so you're there again in 2021. So yeah, Absolutely. 21 really would be, in Bobby's eyes and probably your eyes, the championship year. 20 is the time to lead laps, get podiums, get wins. So it all mm. it all makes sense in his grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, yes and no. I mean, third year, there's a, there's a certain magic to it if you look at um, statistics. Um, but also people blossom at different levels, you know? I mean, Sacco was probably in year 17 or something by the time he got his championship. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and so in, you know, other guys might get it, you know, straight out the bat. And so it's, it's different, but there's a certain thing about the third year. And, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really hoping, expecting, and dude, like, I'm just thankful for the opportunity really to go out there and to show what I got. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's pretty, pretty incredible thing and opportunity I have. And so I'm trying to make the most of it. The big thing for you, you're a very like analytical guy. You look at the data mm-hmm. of, of different things and you really put a lot of thought into the process instead of just flying off of emotion. Where did that come from? Is that something you've always been or is that something that you developed as an adult? Yeah, that is a really good question. Um, so you're making me think. That's okay. So I, I like that. I think. Yeah, no, it's it's necessary. Um, I think it came, it came, it came from a desire. So one, it came from. I looked up to Ryan Dungey. Two, it came from a deep desire to be the absolute best that I could be, and absolute like best in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and it came. It, oh man, it came from so many different areas. It also came from um, a a one hour long interview um, that I saw on on TV with Kobe Bryant. It was an in depth interview. I think it was bef- yeah, it was before his retirement, way before. But um, anyways, he he just talked about how how meticulous he was and how he would call anyone at any time. He would ask any question to anyone. Um, and just because he was so intense about his growth and about improving his game. And, um, when I was 15, like I was putting my program together. Um, and I had like a really, really awesome program. I was training with, um, Eddie Casillas and, you know, he's a guy who, you know, we're not, we're not just, you know, doing you know whatever workout in the gym and throw this reps of that throw that reps of that like he came from um a college background and so you know he could name off <laughs> you know most all the muscles or all the bones in your body and and what they do and why we're working them out and how it's going to trans uh translate and you know I worked with a mental coach and um like I like I read books. <laughs> um, and so, and so all these, like this, like those years were pretty formative as far as like being analytical and seeing the benefit of it. Um, there was a time, dude, I slept in, um, I slept in an altitude tent. So I slept in like my whole room was an altitude tent and I slept at 20,000 feet. Um, and, um, and so like, I, I just, it came from this deep desire to be the best that I can be and to be the best in the world. Um, I would say it also came. Um, so, so then, so then I've, I'm still meticulous. Right. And last year I, I was reading this book. It's called wild at heart by John Eldridge. And, um, he's just talking about what true masculinity looks like. And this idea that, um, he talked about the three deepest desires of a man's heart. And he said that there's a battle to fight an adventure to live 
in a beauty to rescue. And he referenced, he's like, dude, look at all the movies that us guys are like attracted to that. Like we go watch in theaters. Like mm-hmm. there's always action and there's romance and you know, there's in it. Um, anyways, in reading this book, I discovered that I feel like at some point my meticulous training became almost like this fail safe that I had this idea in my mind that if I train absolutely to my absolute best and I had always heard this growing up, right? Like the race is won on the weekdays. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's this idea that if I train perfectly, then on the race day, everything will just come together naturally. But in reality, I need to train absolutely perfectly. And then when I race, there's there's it's not like it just guarantees me a win because I trained the best. I have to like I have to face up to the fact that there is win and loss at hand and and there's danger and there's risk. And I have to take that head on. And um, one of the the quotes from the book um, and that's kind of stuck with me most was that a, um, a man is never more of a man then when he enters a battle, he isn't sure of winning. And, and so each weekend is a battle that I am not sure of winning, right? Like there's no guarantee when you get on that line. And so to embrace the risk of that battle is like one thing where I found that I was almost hiding behind my meticulous training so that when I went to race, it just happened naturally. Mm-hmm. I understand what you're coming from because you want to know like, okay, I've done it. I know I've worked towards this. Now is the time to really make this time count. And I have to do what I've worked on this whole time and replicate it again. Makes yeah. sense. Let me ask you one thing. And if you don't want to answer this, or if this like comes off as an insult, don't take it that way. I, you being such an analytical thinker and mm-hmm. you having the spiritual side of it, there's always been this question of when guys get on the podium and they go, I just want to thank God. And, all of these things, critics yeah. have always been like, well, that's just dumb. What, what, like, <laughs> if, if there is God, like, he really cares about your dirt bike race and everything like that. Yeah. From your perspective, being a guy that is so spiritual, what is the thought process through that? Like, you know, when you pray, you're not praying to, hey, let me win over 21 other guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know that in your grand scheme of life, <laughs> hey, bro, a some dirt people bike. are praying that. <laughs> I, but you, you, I know, but you probably aren't. So what is in your like mind frame, like, you know, in the grand scheme of life and whatever motorcycle yeah. racing is this very We're going small deep. thing, <laughs> but this is a good, We're you're going... a good guy that would answer that question instead of being like insulted by it. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely not insulted. And, um, I'm, I'm just thankful that like, this is even a platform where those things can be considered discussed because it's so, it's kind of blows me away, but so many like negative things can be talked about and discussed uh-huh. and this and that, but then like the positive or, you know, faith, these things that, you know, are, are huge, but are like, Oh, that's frowned upon. <laughs> it's like, all right. Um, but anyway, so when it comes to like thanking God on the podium, so me, like as a Christian, I've just seen like what God has done for me. Right. Like I've seen how much he has blessed me. I've seen, um, like it, it's really, it doesn't, you, you can't look past the gospel. You can't look past, I mean, this whole Christmas season that we're in right now, this idea that God sent his son to pay the price that, that we, um, that we couldn't afford. It's, it's like, um, like God's called the judge in the Bible, right? It's, you know, so many churches want to talk about God's mercy and God's love, but he's also a judge. And, and so we see that, um, we see that at the end of our lives, like we've all done wrong. Like we've broken God's moral law um, and, and even our own moral law. And so just like if we break laws in, in the real world, um, like you, we've, we've breaking, broken his laws. And so we deserve punishment. Otherwise he's not just if, if we break laws and do wrong to others and he doesn't do anything to punish us, then he's not a just judge and therefore he's not good. But because he is good and because he is just, he has to punish. 
but he did, didn't want to punish because he's also merciful and loving and gracious. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to die a gruesome death to pay our punishment, to pay our fine, um, so that we can be set free. And so, like, when I look at that, when I see how great he has loved me and all this life that he has given me, when I, like, when I look at what I deserve and what I have, it just doesn't match up. And so um, we recognize, like, this idea, I mean, even just being a Christian, it's like, my life is no longer like my own. Like he it's, it's all to him. It's all for him. Um, and so even, I mean, uh, I asked a friend today, um, Hey, like, what do you think God's involvement is in sports? And obviously as a Christian athlete, it's something that I've processed a lot. And like, I don't think that there's things that are secular and there's things that are sacred or, you know, that, but there's a difference, you know, it's like, oh, every day of the week, and it's like Sunday, go to church, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't really believe in that. I think God's involved in everything as, you know, the creator and sustainer of the earth. And so when in, in victory and in defeat, he is to be praised, he is to be thanked, because no matter what happens on, like, race day, like, he's still good. Like, he's still, he's still done everything. And he's still given me eternal life and, um, and love me so much. And so when, when we get on the podium, when, um, you know, these guys get on the podium, it's, it's out of this thankfulness. And like, unfortunately, sometimes it can come off as, um, like you're thanking a sponsor and, Mm -hmm. and for, for some people, um, like I, I, none come to mind right now. But it can be just that, you know what I mean? That that being a Christian is is just another you know thing added to life. But um, for a, a good number of us in the motocross community, like this is something that's really important to us, and something that we're just really grateful for. And so we want to anything that you're grateful for, you want to share with other people, <laughs> and so do we. And uh, and so that's generally, I think, why we thank God on the podium. That's good. I like I like the way you pulled that all together. I like it. It's a good insight because nobody ever gets asked that question. We hear you guys say it, and out of out of a respect thing, most of the time I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's what they think. I'm not going <laughs> to interfere in that. But you being so analytical and being like, oh no, I'm going to break down why things go this way. I knew I could yeah. ask you that question, and you would give it a good answer. Um, yeah. we have another segment in this thing, so we're going to jump complete different tracks right now. Uh, the Let's bell, the bell helmets, bench racing setup. You're a big fan okay. of it. Like just the fact that you race isn't the only part of it. If you're watching 06 supercrosses to watch lines, I'm sure that you get excited to watch 450 class every Saturday night. What are your thoughts? What are you thinking for this next year? What do you want to see? Ooh, you don't have racing? to. You don't have to give me. This is going to be the top ten at Anaheim one. But what are you most excited to see next year? Um, I'm really excited to see uh, uh, Zacho. I'm really excited to see what. Um, I, dude, I just think it would be the coolest thing if Zach won the championship, and um, I know he's capable. Um, but I just like with all that guys come through and like just seeing his passion every day. Um, and how he works, it would just be like really, really cool. Um, so I'm looking forward to see how Zacho can do with like a full Supercross season, and I think he'll do really well. Um, another thing I'm watching for, um, so like I don't know, I <laughs> I keep tabs on my guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really I'm interested to see how Zach or uh, how AC does. Um, I think he's going to do really good. Uh, I don't know how good, <laughs> um, but he, I, I can't imagine him not, you know, being competitive for the wins. Um, yeah, but, and then, and then Jason, I feel like he's kind of a dark horse this year. Um, no one really knows what to quite expect, but we also like, we have like these high expectations, but also this little bit confusion. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it would be really cool if he could um, be back to like a top guy, you know, or like not, not he's not not that he's not a top guy right now, but just to see him like go and be a title contender would be really really fun. 
be back where he was in 18, not where, where he left off before everything got so mixed up in the first part of last year with injuries and one bad result, right. one good result, and then he's out for the rest of the season. No, I totally know right. exactly what you're saying. I think that thing is cool too because you see different you see different things when you're with those guys day in and day out. So when they have a personal yeah. breakthrough, you understand it's like, oh, that probably happened because he's worked towards it this way yeah. and had these things go his way. Dude, hey, I was like – I mean, I've been, I've been shredding pretty good and I was getting closer. I was like kind of breaking kind of a speed barrier and getting closer to Zach and Coop, um, here like sometime last week, like Thursday last week or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, like I held on to him for like a good portion of the moto, um, which was like, okay, (laughs) all right. And, um, and then dude, they freaking, like the next time we rode, they were on like another level. Like they are just shredding right now. And so, um, yeah, that's just like one of the things I'm seeing. I'm like, dude, this is, this is nuts. And one of the things I think that these guys, like we get at the Baker's factory is our tracks get gnarly. Like, (laughs) like it's not, it's not just hitting the same line lap after lap, like California, like dude, lines are changing you're like it's a real deal like race where you're having to switch stuff up where lines are getting blown out and lines are reforming and so uh and and coop like his mental game just to see it like not only on the weekends but just day to day like it's not just an accident when it gets to the weekend like that guy is just tough as nails mentally i think for you the other big thing that you see is um, when guys have issues like an injury or something like that, you see how they rebuild. Mm-hmm. So to see that, you know, Cooper has a knee injury at Unidella misses a bunch of time. Jason has his injuries last year, misses some extended time. Dean has his injuries, misses some time. Mm-hmm. Marvin has injuries, misses some time. You see right. all of these things that these guys have go on. For you, how do you do you ever look to a guy or emulate how they return from that and not get too beaten down, especially as this current generation becomes even more vocal of how they admit like, Hey, we, we go through problems. It's not perfect sunny days right. every single day. Right. Um, that's first of all, that's a good point. Just that this generation is being more like that. I haven't, because it never thought was about like that. that dude. Yeah, no way. And, um, it's almost like admitting weakness is all is strength. And, um, and just because it's, it's relatable, like everyone is weak. Um, but anyways, yeah, I don't know. I don't think, um, like bouncing back like that, like that's not something that, um, has challenged me so much. Um, like, so I don't know if there's someone I emulate per se. Um, that one, like, I mean, with, with hard times and with good times, like that's one where I particularly rely on my faith and, honestly, I'm, I'm really thankful for some of the hard times I've had that have, um, matured me and, and grown me as a person. And so, um, like when it comes to those times, like they suck, but I also know that like God has a plan within them and, um, his plan isn't always my plan. Um, but his plan is a good plan. And so, um, when it comes to like hard times, when it comes to that stuff, I think I have some really solid ground to stand on. Gotcha. All right, buddy. Well, we've gone on for about an hour. We could go on way, way longer, but I'll let you get <laughs> that. We could, that we, we could. could, and you and I'll have way more talks this year as the as time goes on. So we'll get you back on yeah. the podcast soon. But I know you've had a long day. It's crunch time before the holidays, and then Anaheim one. When will you fly back to California and then get in the group of things? I obviously think you'll go see the family soon. Right. Yeah. No, I fly back this Friday. Um, we got a. Uh, my dad's birthday on Monday and um, then Christmas and uh, straight to it. So um, it's, it's coming up fast, but I'm really excited. So a lot more riding between now and then, or is it time to start tapering everything off? Uh, I'll ride Thursday, Friday, probably three days next week and three days the day, the week after. So, yeah. So you got yeah. some time on the bike. Yeah. Yeah. Got some time for sure. Hey, as a kid that probably, did you go to Anaheim one growing up? 
Dude, like 10 years in a row or something. Okay. How cool is it for you? This is the last question, I promise. How cool is it for you to know that you're going to wheel into the stadium like the big A's lit up, you're setting in the mm-hmm. sta- you're setting on the field as they like blow up all the pyrotechnics for opening ceremonies, you know, the big voice, all the music. How cool is that for you as someone that sat in the stands and then now is on the starting line when all that goes on? Dude, it's it's like super cool and really unbelievable and like, you know, one of those kids like, dude, like who am I, right? Like I grew up in a small hippie town in Sebastopol. Like who am I to achieve all this stuff and it's like sometimes I can just get caught and think that oh I was always this person you know that um you know raced professional motocross and you know like lived on his own and all you know I was always this person but it's like no dude I was just a nerdy kid with a bull cut like (laughs) (laughs) like that's that's who I was and um and in some sense that's who I still am and so uh it is it is pretty incredible but dude like to take it in on the day of it's almost like not healthy like like it's or it can be healthy but it's, it's a, a dangerous thing it's it's definitely overwhelming like i kind of gotta stay locked in and um but it's one of those things like appreciate it now appreciate it after <laughs> and uh and uh day of just to um you know try to be as machine like as possible i like it i like how you can flip the switch yeah. yeah, got it. All right. Hey, buddy. Got it. It's good to talk to you. I will. Hey, uh, it's good to talk to you, too. I'll let you go. We'll talk way more Dude, this hey, year. Hey, next, what am I asking the questions, huh? Next time? Come on. We'll do it next time. <laughs> you, should probably, you should probably watch not the fact that, like, you're into celebrities and all that stuff, but you should mm-hmm. watch Inside the Actor's Studio, like the old episodes of it, because there's a lot of insight in the way that they would do the format of that show. It's very telling. Okay. And it's cool to see how so many people have come. Okay come through different things. So watch the old ones. It's a good show. That, okay. that might I'll be your second chapter. There you go. All right. Chapter two. That's right. Good Thanks, talk Michael. To you, Michael. Good talk to have you. Have a good night. See you, buddy. Bye.